There are so many fights of different styles and genres going on around the world, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage and or Abu Dhabi Pro Trial mats. Excuse me, just the World Pro. I'm your host, Kevin. I'm here with Rafa Sparza. Raf, how are you doing? I'm good. I'll take full credit for that World Pro mess up. That's yeah, completely <laughs> what I did. Was, like, it really I, wasn't. I just started it, to say Abu Dhabi and I couldn't <laughs> stop saying trial. And I did it to you and you were like, did you just say World Pro? And I was like, I don't know where I am anymore. There's so many fights. <laughs> we're I, confused. Fights now. I Before I went to bed last night, I watched the World Pro Absolute. I'm, and by bed, you mean it was like four o'clock in the morning. You were still watching. Oh, no, no, no. It was, I didn't go to bed till 6 a.m. Oh my god, unemployment's amazing on days like this, isn't it? Like when you get to watch. I mean, yes, I like that that's where we're going with that. But um, it was a weekend, which is very similar to other days for me. Yeah. But <laughs> this was interesting because um, not many people really stay up to watch these. So you're in an elite group of individuals who are committing to being Jiu-Jitsu. up. I yes. mean, love it. And here's the hard part. Raph. And I, I, let me tell you this before we go, which is, is – so the feed for this thing was terrible. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah. You kept yeah. saying it would like switch to soccer, which is a funny – Well, at some point, because you know there's a, a break that happens between finals, especially if you're fighting the same day, you got to give the fighters some chance to recuperate, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't tell you these things or they tell you in a language that none of us fucking understand. <laughs> So they're doing all of that, and then sometimes they speak in English with, like, the announcements, and then sometimes they're like, here's this weird Farsi language we're all speaking. So then it gets to this point where they just decide to cut away from it. So at first I was thinking, like, oh, is this a commercial? No, this is a really long commercial. Is this a break? Why is there 10 minutes of soccer highlights happening? This isn't even a match. It's just 10 minutes of really cool goal kicks. And if you're me, Kevin, I had that moment realization where I was like, look, I love soccer. You do love soccer. And I love jiu-jitsu. So it was like going from a niche sport that I ridiculously love to a niche sport that I ridiculously love. Mm-hmm. And it was very confusing, but I also realized the cult of the people who stay up for both of these crazy events, except at least in soccer, you know, the event's going to be broadcast here. We had people hooking us up as if they were like illegal hot commodities of like, Shh, don't tell me, buddy, but here's Odolfo versus Bougie. <laughs> Which is what I was about to transition to. Um, mm. These matches, you released one on our, hey, you should follow us on Facebook. You should like us on Twitter. Yeah, you switch you those. Because so Rap is showing you what other people are doing. And in this case, he found it, it was from Grappler's Planet. You sent the Rodolfo Vieira, and I was glued to it before I went and trained this morning. You should. And my God, man, if you what that's the best do? way you can go to train. Are they mixing steroids or some sort of like active... Some sort of stimulant in these guys' breakfast before they provide? Like, what the fuck is going on? These matches are insane. So, Hidolfo, and I saw so many tweets about this myself from the five people who were up, but 
he was in a zone, man. It was oh, it, like it's amazing to watch somebody in the zone as a spectator. Uh, I'm sure it's a different thing in itself when you're actually in the zone. So one day, watch maybe, watch him fight Galvan. Just watch but, him fight God Galvan, damn. and you'll know exactly what Raph is talking about by the and zone. Do me a favor. Tell me your interpretation of the Galvo fight. Absolutely. Everyone knows Galvo has uh, he's the fundamentals sort of guru of jiu-jitsu in the sense that he doesn't do he doesn't make mistakes. Galvo's never made mistakes. He's very pressure-filled, he's very hard to pass. Rodolfo Vieira is moving across the, he was transitioning from different side control to side control on the other side after At a beautiful ease. guard pass. At ease. And that's I mean that's ultimately how he starts to sink in that choke. You can see he's working it, he's got the pass and when you have Rodolfo Vieira in side control, it's not going to last very long. I was uh, like mouth agape just watching it. And then you realize like, oh, of course, people who program this network. Why would I want to see this semifinal match filled with beautiful transitions and a finish? <laughs> womp womp, jujitsu, learn how to be a better spectator sport. <laughs> yeah, the, every every event they learn something new, like don't interrupt the feed. During the primetime matches. Oh, my God. So I learned but now two they know that, Raph. Now they know that. Yeah. And, Kevin, you'll appreciate this as being in the biz. Um, but two things. Number one, I realized how easy it is to be a network executive who is planning to air that broadcast. Because all you have to say is, wait, is there jiu-jitsu happening? Okay, put that on from 3 a.m., until 3.53 a.m. And then program soccer highlights. Oh, you dropped the soccer highlights? Who cares? I'm going to get a promotion. <laughs> and number two, which is these commentators, and you know this, when you are recording a podcast, sometimes sound picks up just everywhere, right? Absolutely. Like, for example, I have my TV on mute so that you guys can't hear. Uh, the Fox Sports uh, prelims that we're watching right now. However, I have my upstairs neighbor on mute because when he plays video games, he yells fuck at the television <laughs> like a crazy person. <laughs> Is that entertaining to you, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, because I can hear him. He's like, no way you fucking shot me. Like, just screaming. And Vicky and I... <laughs> That, that would be the name of my girlfriend. Just, we can't even control our laughter. Like it's, <laughs> even our dogs laugh at him. Like, it's That's just, I love it. I could watch it for days. But Not these are the broadcasters. Podcast. These broadcasters, when they're doing the actual telecast commentary, are literally doing this all day long, moving their $25 Staples microphone holders. And moving them back and forth. So at any given point, they'd be like, that's a great point. In fact, I'd like to go ahead and bring up the following 10 things that that we are doing right now. And it just became so ridiculous to not control your laughter as you're watching this great match and just hearing. Okay. Yeah. So I thought you would enjoy that as well. I do love it when those those small technical difficulties, because you know there's an intern behind the scenes that's like, could you, oh, can I please tell them to stop moving their fucking microphones? Please. I'm begging them to stop. And the, there's a producer that's like, shut up. Shut <laughs> your mouth. They're the Somebody best in the business. Somebody was just like, oh, God. 
<laughs> I begged them not to do that. Uh, they we've written them notes. <laughs> so if you're not checking out the, I apologize for rushing this. Obviously, Raf and I would like to spend two hours talking about the World Jiu-Jitsu Pro, and we might we not. We might, but just not just specifically not on air. Yeah. Well, we'll be talking about them for multiple hours over the next few weeks. Um, And we might even be talking to the BJJ community about them. But more importantly for tonight, Raph, we are on a 10-minute deadline. Okay. Because Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Go get some Donald Cerrone. Is going to be fighting Barbosa here in about 10 minutes. And we don't want to miss that. But we have some fights to recap. Yes. On our way to that, let me ask you a question. Do you? I noticed this today at Jiu-Jitsu. Do you ever have, and this has to be an MMA-wide practitioner thing, like ghost injuries that pop out of nowhere and you have no fucking clue where they came from? Yes. Um, I, I'm i going to let you say what you need to say, and then maybe I'll figure out what the real problem is, but go for it. No, I just noticed my ankle today as I like started to pivot on and move forward hurt, and then when I pivoted back, it hurt. And I was like, oh, my God, I have like no range of motion in my ankle. When did this happen? Who's responsible? That's second question. <laughs> and how did I not notice it for like four days? Because it happened Monday night when I was training. And it's just slowly become something super painful. And I can't remember so what happened. So what did you do? I have no clue. I have no clue. But then Zero how do you know clue. it was Monday night? It's been like stiff. Um, but today I realized how little range of motion I actually had when I tried to do jujitsu again. That sucks. I'll tell you the one thing that happened to me recently, which is um, there's been a fun thing where – and this is a different topic to itself. But you know there's that one move that never catches anybody? Yes. For whatever reason, people seem to believe that my neck is impervious to guillotines. And that's not awesome. the case. But it is because my head is oddly shaped, not easy – yeah, not high, high pri- not high percentage of success. Sure. Now, to complement this at practice, when everybody's like, "Well, you maybe you're just not doing it right," so then it becomes a free invitation for everybody during drills to just go, "Well, let's just keep cranking on it and seeing what happens." <laughs> so, for some strange reason, after that practice, I was like, "I can't move my neck to the left." What could have happened? Hmm. Thanks, dicks. Um, Kevin, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce this to you and, and I have to be delicate about the way I, I bring it up because you are vain in this way. Have you considered the fact that you're getting older? I have contemplated that fact. I appreciate your gentleness and your voice. That makes it mm-hmm. more like I'm talking to a nurse, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Um, okay. but I am getting older and I have considered that that is just, I'm never going to feel quite good again. I'm sorry, Kevin. It's uh, what happens. Important question. Did you finish the roll? I actually rolled seven times today. I mean, that's the nice thing about jujitsu. You don't always need like a single limb. Mm-hmm. And my ankle was just a little hard to balance on. So I just worked ground game. I just worked. I was about back. to say, I was like, pull guard. Yay. Absolutely. I spent a lot of time in half guard knee shielding the shit out of people. I was like, deal with that. <laughs> Fuck my ankle. <laughs> okay. Hey, you have to tell me what happened. And here's why. Um, of course, I'm talking about tough. Tough Nations finale. <laughs> All of our audience, by the way, everyone that's ever been listening to this podcast is like, Kevin, you don't need to explain what happened. You, you missed the card. It's not a shocker. You don't ever get, seem it's to catch the them. the best thing in the world. And, like, 
there are those moments where, okay, one of us can't catch something, and we try and watch as much of this shit as possible. And you guys know that, and you... There's a lot. <laughs> you really are good with us when you understand, like, sometimes we're not around when a fight's happening. It means we really are just fucking busy. So I know my pal, Kevin, is doing a couple shows at night. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to bug him. I'm watching the fights. I got him covered. Oh, what's happening between Sam Stout and Noon? Oh, no. This is hilarious. What I'm about to tell Kevin, he's not going to believe. (laughs) Like, he's going to think I invented what just happened. I was actually just going for the text. Okay. (laughs) You you, you find the text. Yeah, here's what you sent. You sent me a text. You sent me a text. It was at uh, it was at like eleven forty or something like that. It was. You go. Did you see what happened to Stout? Question mark. And of course, I knew what you meant. I was like, no. You responded. Gets knocked out so hard, the ref jumps in to intervene. Stout dazed goes to guillotine the ref. Ref taps. Stout thinks he won. Okay, and I felt the best way to approach it was to be as honest as possible because I knew for sure Kevin wouldn't believe me. I just – I was like, I think he's going to think I made this up and I'm fucking with him since he's not watching the fights. I respond, are you pitching me a joke? And the conversation (laughs) ends. You never responded, so I assume you made it up. I was like, that's hilarious. I wish that's exactly what happened. And then I saw the gif. <laughs> and I realized that you were not joking. No. That uh, Stout got knocked out so hard and then he goes and he attacks from side control. He attacks the referee. Referee's super confused. Obviously Taps trying to... Andrew had a funny joke about how shitty the referee's jujitsu was, which I thought was pretty good. I was like, that's funny. Um... Have you ever seen somebody really go, like, mistake the opponent entirely like that? I Only in uh, striking form. I don't know that I've ever seen another fighter. I'm sure somebody can point us in the right direction if this is the case. But I've never seen a fighter start and start to finish a submission, if you would. Because as he's, like, grabbing around the neck. And it's the world's loosest guillotine. So... We get he had it. just gotten knocked out to his defense. And we give him all of the credit in the world. And <laughs> the reason why this is funny is because he ended up being okay. But And you know what all of Raph's teammates were like, huh, I don't know if that guillotine would have worked on Raph. That was, I that mean, was whatever. Here's was the best saying. part is I it made me think, well, maybe I should just knock my teammates unconscious. So that they feel bad. I don't know. That's I have that joke. thought every so five stupid. seconds. That's so, so I'm completely with you. No. No, no, no. Uh, but no, other than it was weird. I've seen the I've seen people like get confused for a second. I've never seen someone that confused. Like I've never seen so you're well that's what you just said it. Normally once they start to put the joke in, they realize, oh my god, this person has a shirt on and isn't the sculpt physique of a man I was just fighting, it's a huge doughy <laughs> referee. Like, normally yeah. they figure it out really quick. Uh, not Stout. <laughs> Stout was like, fuck her taps. This fight's over. <laughs> One for two ain't bad. And then he just backflips <laughs> out of the cage. I was so happy that Stout, when he was 
like when he he felt the tap, he was like, yes. And that was the part when it hurt because it was hysterical all the way to the, the ref tapping. And then the aftermath of, oh, no, I hope he doesn't think he won. And then the shots after of I didn't win. <laughs> what? Hey, Stout trained for a three round bout. It's not his fault. It ended 30 seconds into the first round. <laughs> you get his money's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poirier won, of course. And mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Fightville, you should see it. I don't know why I'm taking this moment to talk about a documentary he did three years ago, but he he <laughs> looks fan- He just looks fantastic. Every fight. We know exactly what we're getting out of Poirier. Um, Raph, can you at all... I'll talk about... Cote beats up Noak. Wins via decision. Mm-hmm. Good fight for Cote. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't uh, amazing, but Cote did what he needed to do to win, and it was fine. Um, so that did happen, and, you know, to be entirely fair, two people won the Ultimate Fighter, uh, Tough Nations. <sighs> um, and I'll tell you this, Kevin, because I saw the very first episode and a half, maybe, episode, and uh, you know when you watch a show on TV, like a sitcom or a drama and you miss some episodes and then you come back for the finale and you go, what you did? What? Yes. You feel a little betrayed by it, uh, even though you really didn't stick with it, but you're like, you can't do that. Uh, the person who made the finale was the guy who is on the cover of romance novels. Chad LaPree or Theodore. Uh, Theodoro, I think. That makes sense. He looks like he would be on the cover of a romance novel. Yeah. So I'm like, it was just a very weird me sitting (laughs) on the couch and going, you did what? Tough Nations? You let the model win? (laughs) Of course, he has barbed wire tattooed around his left bicep. So, of course, so that way, you know, he's for real. Yeah. Let's go a little hip tattoo. Um, and Laprie beats Aubin Mercier. <laughs> Mercier Vucou? Yes. But to the fight that everyone cares about, Tim Kennedy wins via decision over Michael Bisping. We thought he'd knock him out. We both thought Tim Kennedy was a superior fighter. The judges agree. The world not as clear about how this match went. Can you fill me in on what happened with our good friend Tim Kennedy and Michael Bisping? Yes, few things. One, uh, Tim Kennedy takes down Michael Bisping very quickly and just starts going to work to him on there. And he is hitting him, but it became a very controlled grappling match, which Bisping didn't look very comfortable aside from a couple uh, Kimura attempts. But here's the best part about Tim Kennedy's game. When somebody's trying to put him in a Kimura, he's so freakishly strong, he just shrugged out of it. Just was like, meh, and got himself (laughs) out of a Kimura attempt. And I was instantly jealous of his ability to do that. So that goes the first round. The second round, guns. He'd be hard to Kimura. He really would. Oh, yeah. I think it would be like an option that I would try to go to that I would immediately regret going, ugh, why? This isn't going to work. This is stupid. Second round, Tim Kennedy slows down a little bit. But we know Tim Kennedy to be somebody who's got pretty good cardio and really has a good strategy game. 
with uh, being from Jackson's camp. So there's this weird, strange moment where Tim Kennedy almost looks like he's going up against the cage, where Bisping has more success once Kennedy's up against the cage, but it looks like he's trying to bait the entire time uh, Bisping into trying to do a combination that leaves him exposed for an overhand right. And it's just odd. So it looks like Bisping wins the second round. Third round, more wrestling, more to the ground. It goes on and off like this for a while. So the, the big takeaway was... Yes, Kennedy was dominant in his performance and put Bisping in some troublesome areas. And it wasn't the best, most exciting match. And here's what I like about Tim Kennedy. In the post-presser, when he was uh, talking with John Anik, he was pretty pissed. Of course. And he just wasn't happy that he didn't finish the fight. First of all, Kennedy said this might happen. He was very clear (laughs) that if, um, and I can't speak to the things but he said if it's it could be one of these matches where and i'm looking at the significant strikes was 13 to 8 total strikes was 15 to 8 two mm. takedowns to none um they don't have any submission attempts counted for bisping no knockdowns either way and it's when that happens when a fight looks so even on paper normally it goes to the guy with more takedowns and control that was tim kennedy yeah and he definitely was the aggressor in the entire match when it did look like it was standing up. Okay. He was, uh, cause he said, if Bisping retreats and doesn't engage, this is exactly the fight we could, should expect. And you know what? It's weird. Bisping wasn't necessarily retreating on this. Okay. It was a, it was just a strange match where stylistically Kennedy would get him down and he admitted in the post presser that he's like, you know, I tried to hit him with as much as I could and he absorbed my shots and Kennedy was really trying to find the angles. And Bisping's boxing was was good. His stand-up technique, he was having better success. Um, I wouldn't say it was great, but it was it was better uh, than what we've seen. And I think that in a, a certain respect, toward the end, when you saw that Tim could get him down at ease, and uh, it, it was a little frustrating because it would have been an even more dominant performance had Tim made the choice to maybe engage a little bit more in that second and fourth round to try and take him down. But I think Tim became really, really obsessed with trying to knock him out. And in a way it was commendable, that but I really like, like yeah, I really like the fact that he wasn't happy about it. Dana White was kind of like, nah, but you got to admit it was fucking a dominant performance by Kennedy. So of course, Hey, big know. things for Kennedy to come. I can't wait to see what this means for him. Any final yep. notes about, the Tough Nations finale, Rafa Sparzo, before, because we got, we've got Cowboy coming to the cage soon. Yeah, he's about to come right now. Um, okay, you're watching it. Yeah, so you can see the exact. No, we're, we're good. They're at their Fox poll right now, so you've got Perfect. a little bit of time. Um, <laughs> I just, I will say this. Fox Tough poll. Nations, you, you hurt me because you put it on the Fox Sports 2 and you didn't put yourself on Fight Pass, but you know what? I wish all of those fighters well. I hope that we see good things from them. I don't know what to expect from it. So it's kind of like seeing a set of fighters, if they do get plugged into the system, who will be new to both of us. So maybe that's good. And maybe one day when I'm like all said and done, I'll go back and watch your season in the One Minute Review Classic episodes. But for right now, I wish you all the best. What a beautiful final note from Tufts number one reviewer, Rafa Sparza to Tough Nations. That's going to do it for 
Tough Nations and the finale, Bon Voyage, whatever you say as goodbye <laughs> in Australian. Let's go watch Donald Cerrone kick some ass. What do you say, ref? Yes, and before we do, let me tell you, this is how exciting this bout and this match is. Joe Rogan is wearing a suit jacket. I saw go. that. I saw that in the prelims. Look out. All right, guys. So as you all know, um, over under Kevin has been a failure for Kevin. First of all, that's not fair. Second of all, okay. that is correct. So okay. Just I just want to make sure that I'm at forward. least correct. Uh, so this week, to spice things up, we thought we'd bring a professional uh, to come on and talk to us. I think we're does... firmly using air quotes on this, are we not? Completely. Uh, right. Completely, 100%. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you may recognize him from KTTV or Fox 11. Uh, sometimes I, I get the call letters mixed up myself, friends. But uh, James Deco is back with us. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. I'm, I thought you guys forgot about me, man. It's been a while. We could never forget about you. And here's the big thing. You've had a lot of changes since we, we've talked to you. Um, two big ones. Do you mind sharing what those are? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one, I, I left Fox 11, started over at NFL Network. Now I'm an anchor reporter over there, so looking forward to that. Um, awesome. Just started a couple weeks ago, which is cool. That's the National but, Football and that's really, League. Uh, that's... that's that's headline number one. Okay. And then, you know, buried underneath all of that, page six, is I also had a kid. Oh, uh, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. A little five-month-old uh, little girl. And uh, I'm just playing Mr. Mom right now at home. As I was telling you guys uh, off uh, off air here, I just tried to put her down and went upstairs with my laptop, talked a little MMA podcast. <laughs> Father of the Year award not coming my way anytime soon, but it's all nope. good. We got to talk MMA. Let's do it. We shall. Say, but I... taking care of another human is up there on like things people are doing while maintaining on this podcast. When he told us, we were like, "Oh, he just sounds so <laughs> he sounds so careful." <laughs> I have a question though, James. Aren't you a little nervous that this is a dangerous place to lose all of your professionalism when I so stunningly beat you in over under Kevin? Um. If you, I don't know if it would be stunningly beating me. I mean, it's like I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty good at calling these fights, but uh, I mean, you guys do have a weekly awesome MMA podcast here. You know, you know, you're gonna have to win one of these things at one point, right? The, you would the think sheer so. odds. <laughs> it's just it's it's like embarrassing at times, and I don't know. It, I don't know how to plug this to people anymore because there's no challenge to put in front of them. But yet people are still interested to come on and try and beat Kevin for some strange reason. I don't hear any fear in his voice, Raph, and that has me a little nervous. Can well, I sidebar with you real well, quick? I'm going to sidebar. Okay, James, shh, for a second, okay? Earmuff. He sounds um, pretty confident. Kev, here's the thing. You've got to project confidence to have okay. it. I can do that. Like, I fake it until you make it. So okay. when you get back on the line with him right now, even though he can hear this, yeah. I want you to come back with a direct insult about him. So Okay. Think about it. Formulate. Do you have it? Uh, yes. Okay. And we're back. You know why you're covering the NFL? Um, because cheerleading. I don't have it, Ref. I don't have it. Damn it, Kevin! Dude, that was solid corner work. That was I, excellent <laughs> corner work, and totally dropped the ball right there. Wow. Oh, fuck. Mm. 
okay, okay. You know what? I'm just bad enough that my rage will carry on for Kevin Stead. For those of you who are unfamiliar with how this works, what we do is we're going to preview the UFC 172 card. We're going to pick all the fights out of order, and then we are going to give 15 seconds to each of these participants to give their predictions of who will win. If I so feel like it, we will have rebuttal time. Gentlemen, do you understand the rules? Yes. Let's do it. All right. I want this to be an unfair and dirty fight. Let's go ahead and start up top. And we're starting with our first fight being Yancey Medeiros versus Joe Ellenberger. We're going to start with Kevin. You have 15 seconds. Go. This is easy. Joe Ellenberger beat friend of the podcast, Joe Wilk, and will continue that dominance over Yancey Medeiros. Though Yancey said his favorite strike is the liver shot, which is uh, terrifying. So Ellenberger. Excellent. Thank you very much for your prediction. James, do you feel that's a correct prediction or do you feel that you'll pick the right one? <laughs> you know what? I'm also going to go with Ellenberg only because he has a recognizable name and he's fighting some no-name guy I've, I've literally never heard of before. Actually, I saw J. Ellenberger on that. I was like, oh, Jake Ellenberger. Is he dropping down a lightweight? And uh, uh, that was not the case. It is not the case. However, uh, they do have an extensive family of participants. Kevin, do you feel that analysis is reflective of somebody who's about to be on the NFL Network? Yeah, that's kind of how it felt. It was a little slow. Um, let me use a metaphor he would understand. It felt like he was in the pocket too long. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm getting my group here. All right. You okay. know, it's a feeling out process. It's a feeling um, out process. You know what I mean? That's good. I, I can't you... see it. He's also changing a diaper and help <laughs> wounding a baby deer's leg. Um, that's, those are just the tasks James does while he's predicting these fights. Now, but Kev, I feel it. it's a little mean to just, you know, not give him time to rebut, but, uh, do you have anything, James, at Kevin's expense here? 15 seconds. I, I, I do not. Wow. This is, this is tough. It's, it's harder see, than I thought it was going to be. It yeah. is hard. Um, however, here's the good news. You both picked the right person. So it is entirely possible that you are both right or you're both wrong. So we're going to move to I our like next it. fight. It's going to be Max Holloway versus Andre Feely. We're going to start with James. You have 15 seconds on the clock. Go. Uh, again, uh, hard to go away from a guy that uh, is actually a recognizable name. I'm going to go Max Holloway versus some random dude whose nickname is Touchy. I don't know how I can pick a guy named Touchy. I, well, I don't know that anybody really put it in that context until you put it there, but um, I do have a a note, James, when you are doing the NFL coverage, you will learn their names, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I will at some point. Okay. Uh, right. But this dude, Andre Feely, is that his name? I mean, he's like, seriously, he's like, the, a, to use an NFL on that, he's like a seventh round draft pick. I mean, is that, I mean, oh. I don't, I don't understand who these guys are that are coming up and fighting on these cards. <laughs> And uh, coming up later on the podcast, our interview with Andre Touchy Feely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Kevin, I'm going to go to you for a 15-second prediction, I guess. I'm having trouble disagreeing with him because when the man's right, he's right. But fuck it. I'm going to double down on Andre Touchy Feely. Uh, I don't really know why, but whenever you get the chance to say, hey, I voted for Touchy Feely, you want to scream that at a party. Do you? No, but I'm – well, hold on. Okay. No, I don't. Okay, good. Yeah, just make no. sure. Yeah, no. Right. I Gentlemen, have to just picture it in my head. Here's a little thing. Are. You guys are being way, way too in agreement with one another, so I'm going to need you guys yeah, to pull it together. Agreed. 
on this next fight, we're going to go over to Luke Rockhold versus Tim Botch. And we're going to go ahead and start with Kevin. 15 seconds on the clock. Huge spoiler alert. Rockhold is minus 1,000, which is ridiculous because I know those are the odds. Tim Bosch is made of stone. I'm going with the Boschies. Okay, James, we're going to put 15 on the clock. What do you think? Yeah, that's a, uh, he's minus you know ten million for a reason, but uh, Luke Rockhold's got great footwork. <laughs> he's uh, I, uh, yes, Tim Tim Boach is made of stone. Unfortunately, his footwork is like stone as well. Uh, I think Luke Rockhold's just going to pick him <laughs> apart for about three three rounds, and uh, he's going to cruise his way to an easy three round decision. All right, Kev, we're going to go back to you. What do you think Thank about you. all of that? Oh, someone found their sea legs third round into this game. I think Tim Bosch looks like a criminal. That's what I think. And when someone terrifies me to my soul, I pick them to beat up on the pretty boy with abs. Um, That's true. Think- it's hard to disagree. Do you feel, though, uh, James, I'll put this over to you for 15 seconds. Do you feel we're learning too much about Kevin and not enough analysis? Uh, well, we know that he likes to be touchy-feely. That's good. Okay. Um, good. He, he obviously takes a look at people's uh, uh, abs at very close length, mm-hmm. which is also interesting. And uh, apparently he does not like criminals. So these are all things we've learned about Kev here. Uh, correction, I'm terrified of criminals. Uh, yes. just, terrified. I don't know <laughs> if that's, the, <laughs> I don't know if that's a big difference. <laughs> Way to take a stance, Kevin. But otherwise that was not a bad analysis. Okay. Uh, our next fight is going to be Danny Castillo versus Charlie Brenneman. And we're going to go ahead and start with James 10 or 15 seconds on the clock. Go. Look, I don't know what the odds are. If you told me the odds on Luke Rockhold are 1,000 to 1 on Tim Boach, what's the odds for Danny Castillo, Charlie Brent? Is there any way Danny doesn't get the knockout in this fight? 5 to 1 odds Brennan doesn't get knocked out, or maybe 300 to 1 he, he doesn't get choked out. This is such an obvious call. It's Danny Castillo by a mile. Wow. Okay, Kev, do you want to take that mile? Are you going to go with him on this? No, absolutely not. And let's just say exactly what James just said publicly, and that's that he's against teachers. Charlie Brenneman (laughs) was a Spanish teacher before he joined the UFC, and his nickname is The Spaniard. Hello, Gladiator reference. Obviously, Okay, Kev, I've got to stop you here. Uh, James, why do you hate teachers so much? 15 seconds on the clock, go. Wow. Uh, uh, Teachers... Uh, um, one gave me detention once. I, I don't know. I don't hate teachers. I, this is this is this is a total mischaracterization of what I, I just think Charlie Brennan is a bad fighter. All right. Uh, if anything, hey, look, I like Rich Franklin. He's a former math teacher, excellent fighter. Charlie Brennan, former teacher, bad fighter. Okay, okay. I feel this is true. You might be being misrepresented. Uh, Kevin, why does James hate teachers? I don't know, but he sounds like one of those people that's like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. That's right. You like Rich Franklin? Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? That has nothing to do with your stance right now, James. Rich invites me over to the ranch all the time. We're besties. Plus, Charlie Brenneman looks like a legitimate porn star. Like He genuinely looks like a porn star. He'd have to grow off the mustache, but he's got the hair for sure. He's there. Guys, I have to stop us here for a second. We really didn't talk about this enough. What? Minus 1,000. Yeah, I know. Let's have a moment for that. Is, if, that is absurd. Am I missing something about Rockhold? Like, no. Kev, what would you do if you were told that you were the opponent to somebody who's minus 1,000 to you? 
Um, I mean, I, I guess I'd feel a lot like I did when you told me James was coming on the podcast. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, whew, intimidated, but prepared <laughs> and feeling like I had nowhere else to go. And guys, I'm being nice because one of the lines is 900. The worst is 1250. How is that possible? I don't understand how that's possible to me. I, honestly, I mean, Luke Rockhold is a fine fighter, but there's no way he's a 10 to 1 favorite over Tim. That's, just, that's insane. I don't I, understand I, it. I don't know. It's it's crazy. These nerds are doing things with numbers <laughs> and they're making us angry. Uh, we're going to go to our music. next fight right now, which is going to be bantamweight category with Chris Beal versus Patrick Williams. We're actually going to go to James on this one. James, go ahead and start us off. 15 seconds. Oh, my God. I didn't know we were going to go this deep into the card. I really didn't. Um, do you know the two fighters again? Who who are these guys? Oh, my God. Okay. Professional Spoiler alert. If you go to their UFC journalist. profile, that's not going to help you out much either. James Cotter. says bio coming soon. <laughs> if if you go to their UFC.com bio, is it one of those ones where they're just a shaded head? Is that is that what it is? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, they have a picture for Chris, but yes to Patrick. Just James doesn't head. know our rule about if we have two fighters who have blacked out silhouettes on their <laughs> UFC card, which is we don't predict who wins because fuck that. If they couldn't show up for a photo, why do we have to take the time to predict who won? Whoever, whoever is not the shaded out silhouette, I'm going with that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. okay. Who is that? Like, I mean, who are these two guys? That's a great choice, and here's the only reason, here's the only thing we need to know about this fight. Chris Beal's nickname is The Real Deal. Mm-hmm. How badly do you want to hear Buffer yell, the real deal, Beal, multiple times. I, not, not at all, actually, and I think that's a pretty terrible nickname. But the, then that you're going to want to go with Patrick Williams. James, I need to keep this yeah. in order. So we do have you going for Patrick Williams, then. Yes, yes, I'll go. Okay. Uh, is he the shit? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I hate the nickname, so yeah, I'll go with the other guy. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, that's as good of evidence as any on this show. Um, Kevin, you have 15 seconds on the clock, and uh, I feel like we got a little bit of your prediction, but go ahead and give us the real full deal. Absolutely. Well, significant strikes, their careers in the UFC is zero, 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 and zero to zero. So I'm not expecting a huge battle up top, but Patrick Williams does have a pretty vicious uppercut, so he's going to try and land that, and Chris Beal is a, uh, he outlasts his guys. I will say this. So, Kev, who is your pick? Uh, Chris, the real deal, Beal. Just making sure because it sounded like you were going the other way toward the end. James, um, does the fact that Chris Beal was on the Ultimate Fighter with Ronda Rousey give him any kind of advantage going into this fight? Um, Yes? Question mark? I I mean, mean, we just talked about how he's got zero significant strikes in the UFC. He's fighting a a shaded silhouette. So, I mean, I I guess having some... Level of exposure will will help ease some of the octagon jitters, I guess. I'm not sure. Okay, Kevin, uh, given that fact and that you actually know who one of these people really is, uh, do you feel that that's giving you an advantage on this fight? Yeah, I also feel like we are now officially the pundits that have spent the most time previewing this fight of any pundits in the MMA world. <laughs> to be oh, fair. There's not, even, there's not even a question. There's not even a question <laughs> that is true. <laughs> to be fair, don't they need it the most, though? Probably. I mean, if we're just talking about from a morale booster. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Beal, that's why I picked him. I knew who he was. He was the guy with quick hands that hurt his hand that Ronda was crying about because Misha picked him to fight. 
Okay, first were... of all, when you say Ronda was crying about it, it's like, okay, that's like <laughs> that's like seven out of the ten fighters that were there. I mean, yes. like, I don't, it's hard to say. It, th- this is actually a great story. Kevin, why was Ronda crying? That... Because she felt like it was an inappropriate attack on her, obviously. Cause At the time. Because Chris's felt... hand was hurt, and she felt like that was like a cheating moment. That was cheating to oh, make yes. him fight. When his oh, hand yeah. was broken, she's like, he, she knew that his hand was broken and she made him fight. It's like you're, you're, yeah, you're goddamn right she knew. That's why she picked him. His hand's <laughs> fucked up. Strategy, have one, Rhonda. Yeah. Duh. Oh, oh, God. Well, you know, we're all going to look back fondly on that time that we talked about Chris Neal and uh, Patrick, Patrick whatever his name is. But, you know. We're going to now transition over to the women's division for Jessamine Duke versus Beth Correa. We're going to actually go over to Kevin. Kevin, start us off. Absolutely. First of all, Jessamine Duke, friend of the podcast, the gun. Obviously, that's who I'm picking. Um, and because her opponent is a purple belt in Kung Fu, and I don't know what that is. Okay. Purple belt in Kung Fu generally does not translate well into the uh, into the UFC, as we have seen in the past, as in UFC 1. Wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't one of the Gracie's fight a Kung Fu guy? Yeah, that's a great reference. It's like, oh, we know voice? it's not successful, because in UFC 1, if you remember back, it didn't work. Do you remember you, Hoist Gracie fought a did. Kung Fu guy and submitted him in like five seconds. So I'm going to go Absolutely. against the uh, purple belt. I didn't even know they had belts in Kung Fu. I didn't Do they either, have? James. I thought... I thought it was just a, a thing, like a philosophy. Like, oh, hey, I'm learning Kung Fu. Oh, great, cool. Like, I didn't <laughs> think they awarded belts in, in Kung Fu. Either way, I, I like Jessamine Duke. I mean, obviously, um, uh, solid striker, good range, uh, great heart, too, uh, mm. that she showed on the show as well. So hard to go away uh, from Jessamine Duke. So the both of you are agreeing on this one. Uh, I am. Right. Uh, and based purely off of the Kung Fu analysis. <laughs> well, that was probably the most sound uh, explanation of why Kung Fu is bullshit, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, until we meet somebody who beats the shit out of us who's like, no, guys, Kung Fu's for real. But that's cool. Uh, we're I'll now going to be sure go... to give him James's card if someone yeah. if Kung Fu beats his shit out of me. I'll be like, I know I started like, it, but. Guys, take it easy on him. He's a new father. Kevin has nothing to live for. You can beat the shit out of Kevin, though. <laughs> Uh, we're now going to go to the flyweight category where we have Joseph Benavides versus Tim Elliott. We're going to have James start us off 15. Go. Uh, Joseph Benavides by a mile. Tim Elliott is a solid fighter. Joe B is a Ugh. special fighter. I think he got caught a couple times against Demetrius Johnson, but overall, um, I, Joe B has got to be the second best dude in the, in the featherweight division. And, uh, you know, Tim Elliott again, solid, not spectacular. Okay. Kevin, who do you got on this? Some people are standing on a cliff with a parachute and they jump. Others get back into the fetal position and pick Benavidez, which is what James is doing. Tim Elliott is a Kansan. How dare you? He's obviously (laughs) winning this fight, though he is not favored. I should tell people that. Just uh... I'm gonna okay, Kev. I'm gonna stop you right here and I'm gonna ask you a question. How does being from Kansas change anything? Um. Ooh. Well. Good question. Superman is from Kansas, so I guess that helps. Hello. Hold on. There James, you were not prompted there. Wait your turn. <laughs> Kevin, Raph gets I'm very diva-ish him. about this whole game. Maybe <laughs> it turns into a real deep. Diva, it's just a matter of functionality. Kevin, I need you to give me a real answer on why being from Kansas matters. 
Well, typically it means you're a little bit more stunted educationally, um, but in Kansas we call it principled. So okay. Oh wow, it's good to know, James. Uh, I'm going to go to you for this one. Let's go. Uh, do you, what do you have to say about Kevin's lack of an education? Does that hurt or help him on these picks? Uh, clearly, it's it's hurt him uh, up mm-hmm. until this point. I didn't realize he had such a uh, <clears throat> uh, bad record in in his own game. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of just seems like he's picking against me just to pick against the guy who's picking. That's a fair point. Kevin, is that true? That is not at all true. I obviously know Tim Elliott's from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, and, you know, I'm trying to sell people on gambling advice as well. Um, so I'm picking it with my pure gut. Okay. Well... That was good enough for some presidents. Why not here? We're That's now right. going to go over to our light heavyweight category, which is Phil Davis versus Anthony Johnson. Kevin, 15 on the clock. Oh, man, I cannot wait for this fight. By the way, fun fact, less than 0.5 body fat percentage in this entire fight. That's true. Look it up. I'm going with Phil Davis. I think he's going to knock him out early in the first round, and Vegas agrees. Stop. Okay, Kev, did you... Spend five seconds of your time talking about body fat. Raph, I'm saying these two fighters, this has to be the least amount of body fat percentage <laughs> that has walked into a cage. How in a much while. of your day did you spend figuring that out? 33 minutes, give or take. Okay. James, by I'm the way, ask how, how, is that even, how is that even possible given the <laughs> fact that one of the competitors is Anthony Johnson? Is Phil Davis like negative five percent body fat? I, I don't understand. <laughs> Anthony Johnson's missed weight uh, it, it, since the Reagan administration. So I mean, it's like how how can this dude be low body fat percentage? It doesn't make sense to me. That's impossible. Good analysis. Kevin is not good with numbers, so let's put that out there. Okay, yeah, got it. Is... Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> as for my pick, as for my pick, I'm going to say. Uh, let me just preface this by saying, listen, there's like five African-American fighters in the UFC. That's not true, but it's, it seems like this it. It's a terrible way and, to start. And, and <laughs> Phil Davis is, is on pace to fight them all. Rashad, Rumble, <laughs> Daniel Cormier, and John Jones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. of course, He's to get to John Demetrius Jones, of Johnson course. next week. Yeah, you know, listen, dude, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, pal. Uh, <laughs> because of that, I'm picking Phil Davis because he needs this win to move up the light heavyweight ladder, which means he's got to fight Daniel Cormier and then John Jones. Great. Um, you ready for what's great? He's only minus 185. That's not bad. It's not bad, that but I'm insane. saying like. That's insane. That's, that's, that's also close. insane. Yeah, that's <laughs> way agree. too close. It's less than two to one. I mean, think about that. That's absolutely ridiculous. He's got to be at least a five to one favorite. Come on. For the I'll four versus the 15. Like, what the fuck is going on here? UFC. I will ask this, Kevin. Do you feel that maybe you're overselling this? Or do you think that there is a possibility Anthony Rumble Johnson really comes into this fight and actually upsets? I really don't. Um, I don't. I haven't seen it from him in his fights to say that he's ready to fight on Phil Davis's level. And as James just said, Phil Davis is fighting some really good people lately. He's been in the cage against uh, yes, high-level he's opponents. He's fought very many people of <laughs> non-specific. Um, uh, I don't see race, obviously. Well, I mean, he just Kansas. beat Leota Machida. I mean, we're talking about and Rashad Evans. So, I mean, he's been in there with guys that are at the championship level. Meanwhile, True. Anthony Johnson, oh, boy, wow. I don't know. I don't know what to think, man. But, you know, he's obviously he's at a different stage. level. James, give me a second. Yes. Racist says what? 
<laughs> what? I'm sorry. That's weird. That's right. That's right. Phil Davis is going to fight all the African Americans. He's going to drop 70 pounds, go fight Demetrius Johnson. I would pay to watch that. Absolutely. And then 100%. he's going to he's going to drop down, fight fight uh, Tyron Woodley and uh, and Bobby Green. You know. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, we've already determined that Phil Davis has negative body fat percentage. It's we, low. So clearly, he saying. can drop down. We yeah. <laughs> oh, and I do it's, math it's, it's a, the same way I pick fights. It's a scientific fact. It's a fact. Well, shit. All right. Well, I guess we've established that now. Uh, we're going to now go to our next fight, which is in the lightweight category. It's Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. James, we're going to have you start this one. 15 on the clock. Is this not, it's not Phil Davis versus Bobby Green? Mm-mm. Not yet. No, not, that's okay. UFC one seventy eight. Not yet, uh, man. You know what? Honestly, this is the fight that that I'm probably looking the most forward to. I think these guys are going to throw down. Uh, Jim Miller, Bobby Green, definitely somewhere in the in the lightweight uh, title hunt. Uh, whoever wins this one. Uh, that being said, man, Bobby Green has looked amazing over his last two or three fights, and he has really, really improved. Jim yeah. Miller has kind of sort of been up and down. You do know the Green. sound of the buzzer means stop talking. That yeah, must... I'm not too good with the rules, okay. rules and whatnot. Oh it's yeah, wild, man. When you're a racist, you can just break all the rules. <laughs> oh you wow! Want. Oh okay. wow! Kev, we're gonna go to you. 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, who did he? Who did you pick? Did you pick Jim Miller? I went with Bobby Green. Bobby Green. I went, went with Bobby, Bobby Green. Green. Oh damn it! He's on a five. Feet, he's on a five fight win streak. Um. He's minus so one twenty. So I'm saying I like Bobby Green too a lot in this fight. Boring. It pains me because I'm disagreeing with someone that maybe I don't share the same ideologies with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going like, to stop you wow. right here, Kev. Kev, we're going to go over to James. James, how does it feel to have Kevin's main strategy just picking off of what you're picking? Do you feel a little discomforted by that, or do you feel that's a safe move for him for somebody who doesn't win in his own game? Well, actually, I think what he's really doing, he seems to be picking by lowest body fat percentage. That's, it seems to me like that's how he's picking. Whoever's got the best abs is, is kind of how he's going, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with. I think that's a solid strategy. <laughs> Kevin, what's your response to your, your questionable fucking strategy? I've been telling you for weeks, Raph, you need to get guests to play over under Kevin that are maybe a little less articulate, not quite as well-spoken, and not as quick, because it's hard to follow all the things he's saying. So maybe if you (laughs) would throw me a fucking bone here, I wouldn't have to deal with uh, NFL boy. Kevin, finish that thought. Thank you. Okay. Oh, well, guys, we're getting down to the last two here. So before we go to these next two, I need to put this into James's head right now. Uh, You're going to need to pick the performance of the night so it can go to two people it's not uh you know submission or knockout of the night anymore it's performance of the night and you're also going to need to pick fight of the night but on top of all that we have a big thing that we do here is on over under kevin we have stakes so while you're doing these next two fights think about what it is that you would like kevin to do if he loses i'm sorry when he loses if it's still if at this point I mean, statistics are on my side. Shut up. <laughs> so keep that in mind. What kind of stakes you'd like? I'm sure Kevin's already started thinking about what he'd like you to do. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna have Kevin go first, probably on that, and then I'll and then I'll you know. Oh, okay. Time. 
We can make yeah, that happen. Really. You are the guest, so we will we will completely defer to that. Uh, we're going to go to Kevin for this, uh, which is the lightweight bout between Takanori Gomi versus Isaac Valley Flag. Kevin, start us off 15. I have been waiting for this because Isaac Valley Flag, which I also really want to hear them announce because I think it's going to sound something childish, said he has a black belt in being awesome on his UFC profile. Um, I'm calling him out, and I want to see it. That's who I'm picking. Okay, so you want the valley flag? Yeah, oh, badly. I want him to yell valley flag as many times as they possibly can. (laughs) James, 15, you go. Isaac Valley Flag looks like a Brazilian, has the most Brazilian-sounding name possible, and is actually just a straight-up white boy from Michigan. (laughs) Super nice guy, very intelligent, white as hell. That is why I'm going with Takanori Domi. Okay, once again, deferring to someone's <laughs> color of skin. Uh, Kevin, we're going to nah, go back. Actually, you know, no, honestly, though, listen, man, I, I met Ike of Valley Flag uh, over at the station once, and you, the guy is really well-spoken guy, really intelligent. I like him a lot. I just don't like this matchup for him, man. I just yeah. don't. Talking to Gummy's going to throw heaters, and, and that's all he does. And if Ike Valley Flag can't defend against that, or if he gets clipped, and I think it will happen, uh, it's a tough night for him, man. I have to ask you this. Is it hard for you when you do meet these people and you do see them fight? Uh, because we experienced this just the other day with Tim Kennedy, where he's a good friend of ours. And when he's fighting and he's not finishing the fight, I'm pacing around the house. Did, oh, do you for have sure. That? Oh, all the time. Are you kidding me? All the time, man. Like, you know, uh, Brendan Shaba, I consider to be a friend of mine, man. Like, when he fought, uh, it was when he fought Matt Mitrion, man, I was like standing around pacing the, pacing the, uh, the newsroom floor. It was, it's hard to watch sometimes. No, it truly is. So, I mean, I can't even imagine being a family member to some of these guys, man. I don't even know what that would be like. Yeah. Thank God. I have nobody in my family fighting MMA anymore. (laughs) Woof. Um, Kev, you know, we've, we've learned a lot about James. What is the biggest thing that you've learned? 15 seconds on the clock. Go. The biggest thing I've learned is that he's, an insane multitasker. He's managing to take care of his daughter, prepare for a show, and get his ass kicked by me on a podcast all at the same time. I would like to oh. point out that was expertly done because Kevin definitely spent the time building you up only to bring you down. But, James, is that enough before we get to our last match? Is that enough for Kevin to really get inside your head? Not really. I'm inside his head. I know he's going to go with John Jones because John Jones has the lowest body fat percentage of the two. Ooh, I already know. He's, he's okay. Wow. All right, Kev. We're going to go. I to already that know. Right I mean, this is this is like this is like that scene in Eight Mile. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like at the end when Eminem is like, "Hey, man, I already know what you're going to say, and this is it right here. Boom. That's what this oh, is. This is the end scene of Eight Eminem Mile. Eminem in you know? that metaphor? Is that where we're going here? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Wow. It's about to get Let's Michigan in here. This is the only person who's ever quoted 8 Mile in any fight analysis on this show. <laughs> Congratulations. I feel we should have an award to give you for that. Uh, Kev, I mean, he brought it up, and you're agreeing with it already, but let's hear it for the championship bout between John Jones and Glover Teixeira. Do you have John Jones and 15 seconds as to why? Simple rule. The most dangerous John Jones is a motivated John Jones, and people are saying he lost that last fight. People are really adamant he lost that fight. That means he comes out angry. 
Okay. James. And he has a super low body fat percentage. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) James. Exactly. I do have to ask you this. You were able to call the pick. You're inside Kevin's brain. But are you making the same call yourself? 15, go. Well, Glover Teixeira is amazing because he plays first base for the Yankees, is a multiple-time all-star, and is able to knock out top-level UFC fighters. So, I mean, obviously he deserves to be on the stage with with John Bones Jones, but it's hard to go away from the pound-for-pound best fighter uh, in the world in John Jones. It really is. I see John Jones winning actually uh, via submission in the third oh. round. I think he's going to I think he's going to get Glover. I think he's yeah. going to get him tired and I don't think Glover's going to be able to kind of handle gonna, the, the length. I'm, I'm going to say this. I like the fact that he upped the odds here, Kevin. He actually called how it's going to end. What do you have he for us? It. Um not submission in the third round. No, I'm calling a I'm going to call a second round knockout. I think it's going to end via elbow strikes on the ground. Interesting. I, a real a daring bet. With John Jones, I'm really stepping out on the ledge to use it's not my so much a bet earlier on John Jones. It's a bet against Glover, which is the interesting aspect that you're taking here. Um, James, have you seen anything from Glover that you see that lets you think that he could be knocked out, though? That he could be not. Yeah, he's just too wide open. I mean, the guy's got power and he loves to swing and he loves to, to, to land clubbing shots, but. When you land clubbing shots and you kind of have the hand speed that he has, yes, he's got tremendous power, but speed is not necessarily his game. Unfortunately, in the fight game, speed kills, man. So it's it's really, really hard to see Glover winning this fight unless he somehow is able to clip John Jones. I don't think he can take John Jones to the ground. If he's able to do that and, and apply a little pressure and some ground and pound, okay, yeah, Glover's got a chance. But barring that, I just don't see it other than a lucky strike. Hmm. Guys, this is this is the best analysis you've done. So congratulations to the both of you for this. Um, but now I need to ask your picks. What are going to be the people who receive the performance of the night bonuses as well as the fight of the night? Um, so we'll start with Kevin. Who do you see taking home performance of the night? Yeah, I, performance. I hate that they change these, by the way. I still emphatically. It's bullshit. I just want to publicly note I still hate it because it just means the biggest fight's going to get it. So I'm not going to say Jones takes Shara, though I think that's going to be fight of the night. I'm actually going to go Miller Green for performance of the night. And for fight of the night, it's, you know, wild card. I'm going with Bosch. Screw it. I'm going all in on Tim Bosch. And now that makes me one of the only MMA journalists also to say that on a podcast. A lot of firsts. Are you nervous now, Kevin? You're pushing all your chips in on Tim Boach? Really? <laughs> I'm as shocked as your voice would suggest, James. <laughs> James, does it make a little more sense how Kevin loses these things now? Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go performance of the night. Uh, Danny Castillo, probably knockout of Charlie Brennan, who is just, you know. I mean, it's hard. Because, you know, here's the thing, man. When Danny Castillo is going to land a right or a left hand, you're going to see all that hair moving around. It's going to look way worse than it probably will be, you know? <laughs> the Spaniard. So, so yeah, I'm going to go that. Danny Castillo with one performance of the night bonus. Uh, the other one, gosh, you know, man, I'll go, I'll go John Jones with, um, with another performance of the night. I'm going to go fight of the night. I like Jim Miller, Bobby Green. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think that's just going to be, that's going to be tight, and, and these guys are going to really go after it. 
let's say this the tiebreakers here for this are definitely going to exist so i'm excited for that because you guys did agree with a certain amount of picks which mathematically makes it so that you could theoretically tie um but these are your tiebreakers so this will be great uh i'm gonna go ahead and go to kevin kevin what are the stakes so i've been thinking about this okay um and part of what I love about James is he's an active tweeter. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I win, I should get a five-part tweet. Five-part tweet celebrating the glory of my decisions and just existence. Now, are these five, like, different days or just insequential? Uh, user discretion. Okay. One or the other. Okay. Um, okay. Those are pretty low I'm stakes. That. I think that's that's not bad. James, do you have something in mind <laughs> when you win? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll stay in the tweet field. Um, okay. uh, I, I think I think it'd be fair if I've got to send out five consecutive tweets to to my you know legions and hordes of fans <laughs> that don't exist really, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think it'd be fair if uh, if I could get uh, Kevin to change his Twitter handle for a day. To read, James D. Co. is a beast. Oh, my God. That's so great. Uh, that is better. Okay. Wow. James D. Co. is a beast. Okay. That's right. I'll and, also, then your, and, then, and then your first tweet should be hashtag beast mode. <laughs> I hate beast mode more than anything. <laughs> but I'm so happy that you made him do that. <laughs> oh god um kevin do you want to refine any of the terms and conditions on your end or are you good i feel good about it i feel ready okay gentlemen i feel that we've learned absolutely nothing absolutely i feel that we've learned nothing in the best way that we possibly can do that um i want to thank you specifically james for taking the time out of your schedule um of being a good father to really work with us and <laughs> And really wasting all of the perfect time. Because here's the thing. Now Challenging our views on race. Um, yeah. When your daughter grows up, she can hear this in the future. So I'm sure Absolutely. she's going to have something that she can blame you for. Uh, just knowing that you, you spent more time talking with us about body fat than you did with her. But that's why we Bro, I'm, I'm already saving up, not for college. I'm saving up for the, 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 the psychiatric bills, the therapy Thank bills, God. man. I already know it's coming. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, through the depth of James' work, I'm wondering how deep in her quest it'll be before she gets to the MMA podcast he came on for the second time. <laughs> Probably going to be a ways in. Well, you know, Kevin, right. you got to think, you got to think if you do beat James – this may be a psychological breakdown for him. So you got to think like that. I've been worried about that. I haven't been worried about that, mm-hmm. that it's just going to be too much for him to recover from. It's crossed yeah. my mind. Yeah. Well, James, yeah. we can't thank you enough for being on the show. You're one of our favorite guests and we're so happy whenever you come on down. Thank you so much for coming today, buddy. Have me again, pal. Anytime. Uh, wait, real quick scale of one to 10. How excited are you about the NBA playoffs starting this weekend? Uh, scale of one to 10, 10. I'm just over the moon. That's it, Raph. I just had to sneak one in. I just had to do a quick NBA thing. We're good. How did you system. even know that I'm a fan of the NBA? How did you even know that? I, I've literally well, tweeted zero about the NBA. 
we talked about it last time. I can understand you might not remember, James, but it was a big moment for me because <laughs> um, I was sharing an interest. With, Guys, uh, if a people professional want journalist. to talk about the NBA, they would go to an NBA podcast. <laughs> I'm like, or they the could just hear my NBA no. references on this and podcast. Right? I know, and you try and sneak them in. They're all terrible, and none of them. And I would, ever and I would also say the best series: Clippers Warriors. Let's go. Let's do it. Without I question. can't wait to watch it, man. Six versus three. They don't like each other. James, I'm no longer happy you were on the podcast. I'm kicking you off the call. I can't wait to see you just destroy on the NFL Network, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Okay, I'm going to start this. I'm I'm just going to roll tape. I'm fucking rolling tape. That's fine. I'm, I'm not good. actually rolling tape. Did you? Oh my god! Did you see the video of them showing kindergartners or first graders a tape recorder? <laughs> no, it was fucking hilarious. They looked <laughs> at it. They looked at it like, "Is this some sort of game? Like, what is this piece of shit device?" <laughs> like, they really didn't get it. It was the cutest. That's amazing. We should do our fight analysis right after we watch the fights more frequently. I think it's going to be a much more positive, enthusiastic adventure for all listening. Those were some amazing fights. I, I think the the feeling or the note that you're trying to say here is, are, don't you feel hyped right now? I this feel is so hyped. I want to go train deep half guard. It just Thank saved you. Verdum's ass. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't honestly that worried when he got to that position. I've actually always wondered this genuinely about the deep half guard. It seems like a really effective way. If you do it properly, you rotate your head outside your opponents, like not inside their body, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but like to the rear. It's a really effective way to spin them back around. And he's one of the first MMA fighters I've seen do it. And to do it against Travis Brown in the first round, whew, mm-hmm. impressive shit. And it's weird because coming off World Pro, I saw people doing back takes off of that with a gi. Absolutely. So, you know, your brain starts holding for a second. You see him start to do it, and you go, well, there's no gi here. So I was just, oh, wait, no, he's still amazing at this, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> he just caught that cable grip, and it was beautiful. Oh, God, it's it's so great to look at and, and watch. So obviously, let's start up top then, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I'm going to put this out there. I don't think anybody was excited to see this fight. No, we know we were talking about this just on the side about the ratings for this fight were expected to be low. Well, not just the ratings, but Fox put out a poll and they put it out between the three main fights. So you've got Barboza and Cerrone, you've got uh, Tate and Carmouche, and you had Verdum and you had Brown. Ask me what percent of the people polled were interested in Verdum and Brown. What percent? If 1% was the correct amount that you were thinking, you were right. Holy shit. No, I would have thought at least 10. And that's the whole thing is, I completely understand that Misha Tate has a, a greater following, and and we'll get to her fight in a second. Yeah, we but, uh, you know, and I also understand, Donald Cerrone, always a crowd pleaser. <laughs> so you put him up against uh, Barboza, it's going to be an electric fight. So I get that people are interested in that. But 1%... Damn. In a championship implication match. Yeah, because the winner gets Cain Velasquez. 
Yowza. And here's, I love watching Travis Brown fight, which is so mm-hmm. funny. And now I realize that I maybe I've only loved watching him fight in his first two rounds, <laughs> apparently. But I'm surprised the number was that low because he is such an electric fighter. Oh, Were you, you want to talk about another number, though? Yeah. I, give me another number. I wasn't, no, I wasn't shocked. Uh, I, I guess you could say people were shocked by the fact that Ferdum's hands. Were... I had a more specific question I was going to ask you. Okay, but I, I, I need to bring this up because we're on statistics. So did you see the number of people, percentage-wise, that it broke down to who thought that Verdum was going to win? No, what was it? 15%. <sighs> so if you're analyzing both oh, of these numbers. Oh, I did numbers, see that. I saw their pie chart. Yes. <laughs> that was very convincing. <laughs> Kevin is... On top of pie chart analysis. Sorry, I'm like, oh wait, you didn't, you didn't, you said that statistic. They had a very specific circular graph, Rafa yes. Sparza. They did. I forget. I can only speak to you in pie chart analysis. Hey, first of all, if more people did it, I would not fuck up math as frequently as I do. If Probably. more people took that, I was. It was super clear. It's like, oh, most of the circle thinks Travis Brown is going to win. Right. Okay. So that tells me not only are people not interested, but if you have to beg them to be interested, they're like, I just don't like Verdum. <laughs> Who? Well, remember, Verdum was kind of a, a dark horse when he beat... Um, when he beat Big Nog, no, no, no. I was gonna say Big Nog oh. in the at the Ultimate Fighter because remember he took over that Ultimate Fighter Tough Brazil coaching mm-hmm. spot, and people were like, "Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what?" Did I, I guess it had to be a Brazilian. So fuck it. He won that fight pretty convincingly, and frankly, I don't think we just knew who he was. Um, that will never happen again. Hmm. I can tell you this. Okay, those were great things. His striking. I think most people would agree was uh, super uh, unexpected, but I, I've seen him get better at his striking. So I felt that was a natural progression. Um, I guess the real interesting part was, did you see how he was almost taking the bait from Travis Brown to make it a more like, yeah, come at me, man. It's like, no, Travis Brown, you're not winning this fight. And you get to look at him and tell him like, yeah, bring it now. I th- and looked like Verdun was almost going to play along at it a couple times, and it seemed like it was a little. He was ready for it. <laughs> I agree. I, it was one of the first times it seemed like he was ready for the smack talk as a counter, mm-hmm. just kind of a oh, Travis Brown is going to try and make this a thug brawl. Like that's going to be. I mean, that's kind of like how he wins things. I was mm-hmm. shocked that after a single round and a single ground exchange, though I certainly understand it that a very high-level fighter like Travis Brown coming out of the Jackson camp, who are notoriously well-conditioned, gassed so astonishingly so quickly. Yeah. What the... That's just... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a Jackson MMA thing. Like, they... Those guys, even when they lose, it's never because they they got out-hustled. Like, those fuckers Mm. run up and down mountains. What's going on with his cardio? Have you did you hear anything? Is it possible it's like, oh, he's got the flu, we just don't know? Like <laughs> were you surprised that he just gassed? No, he's a big dude. I think that when you have that much power on your shots, you're expanding more energy to really try and make those knockout moments happen. And when he was whiffing on a few of them, you're still A, not connecting, but B, when you've got a guy who's working you a little bit it's really going to start to not just frustrate you, but exhaust you. And I think that's what was really starting to take over there. Okay. 
I I like it. I like the game plan. It looked like Fabricio was the smarter fighter, and if you didn't see the match, it was. I mean, it was over after the second round. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Do you disagree? Um, no, I don't think so. It he outlasted him. He beat the shit out of him, kind of in a jujitsu way, which was awesome. <laughs> there was yes. a lot of good jujitsu moments in this match. Uh, I I can give him credit for this uh, in terms of Brown. I mean, Verdum is not an easy person to resist. Uh, for most of those attacks. So when I saw him get up, I think it was in the second round after uh, what looked like a series of attacks, uh, more or less for a Kimura, but um, it was kind of like when he whipped out of it and he had that split second, it's that split second they always talk about in jiu-jitsu where it's like, it's a timing thing. You got to feel it. You got to know it. And it's like, no, that was exactly it. (laughs) That moment that he got up. Yep. That was the best timing you've had all fight. Congratulations. <laughs> nice job, Travis. Yeah, it was funny to see him like not want anything to also to do with that ground game. Like, like I gotta get the fuck out. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I was still surprised he, he gassed so quickly. But that's that's the end of the that's the explanation of the next three rounds. Um Verdun <coughs> just picked him apart however he yep. really wanted to without knocking him out and beat the shit out of him like his <laughs> Travis was and- bleeding everywhere. I might be leading here. I might be taking us somewhere that is not actually accurate. But part of me thought that uh, Verdum at some point could have really initiated the knockout. Or not – I'm sorry, not a knockout, but more takedowns. Completely agree. And was destined to try – like he was just convinced he wanted to knock him out. Yeah. I know. Without question, you could see it. Actually, I think you're on to a really good key piece of this last fight. He purposefully chose not to take him down and submit him because he could have easily, like you saw Travis not even being able to push any pressure back on yeah. his takedown defense. Like it was, it was rough. Yeah. And this, we're talking about a black belt. Like Fabricio doesn't shoot unless he knows what he wants. He doesn't go down unless he knows what he wants. He chose to keep that fight standing, and he was knocking the shit out of him, but. I agree. I think he thought eventually those jabs would put him down, and it just never did. And some of those combinations were just priceless to watch, though. He was throwing. He w- Well, you saw him, like, he won the fight in the third round confidence-wise mm-hmm. when he, like, Liu Kanged his way back up onto his feet. He pulled a Mortal Kombat 2, jumped <laughs> up, and that was it. Yeah. That's a great reference, by the way. <laughs> Luke Hang. Did you just, just congratulate yourself yeah, on your oh, own reference? Without question. There's no one else to do it. I've got you looking in a mirror of judgment, and I have a silent audience that's thinking it in their head, but I have to verbalize it for them, Raph. There are very few moments on this podcast where our audience ever thinks, wow, nailed it, Kevin. That's why I had to congratulate myself when it happened. <laughs> it still didn't happen. You see? Sure. Let's move on to the... Easily, like, oh, man, Misha Tate. Yeah, it's always, like, I try and take her very seriously as a fighter, but she's also a strikingly beautiful person. Yes. And that's, like, that's just going to be a part of the, I I don't know how to turn it off. Like, (laughs) as much as I can't turn it on, like, she's just a beautiful woman. Um, I thought she was going to completely submit Liz Carmouche, and I like that the judges suspended the normal UFC judging criteria and went with pride rules which is whoever wins the fight, and that's what I feel like they did. Because I do not think Misha did enough to win one or two. Obviously, she won three, but did you think she won two? I think 
that she was fighting for the finish. Agree. I think Hardly. that's the the biggest thing she had going for her. Uh, in the second round, I was a little nervous because Carmouche got, you know, she was pushing her up against the cage. Misha was going for submissions, but to close out the round, you saw that Carmouche kind of got the takedown, so it kind of looked foggy, which I thought they would give the advantage to Carmouche going out of that round. But in that super dominant third round, um, part of me kept thinking, I was like, could they do a 10-8? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so because, you know, uh, Carmouche wasn't lifeless, but she was definitely fighting as much as she could out of it. I mean, Misha just had those positions that she was going for. And that, that rear naked choke, the, the one-handed rear naked choke yeah. is a rarity to pull off to begin with. So even knowing that and looking at how tight it was on her with just that one hand, it was a true testament to Carmouche. And uh, Tate said so as much just in a, a post presser right now. Uh, she said, yeah, no, she was, she was yanking on it. And she, she had it really close and she was impressed that she didn't tap to it. Yeah, Misha, it really feels like Misha's parlaying this career of hers into a jiu-jitsu possible fight. She's really starting to work her ground game. Kind of. She's going out of her way. I felt going out, especially after that first round, where I think Misha had just come off a fight with Ronda Rousey where she had five rounds. And she looked so calm, and I was fine with that. I thought that was a great approach for her. And in that first round, it just wasn't her. She wasn't pushing the action. She wasn't taking the fight to Carmouche, who is an incredible fighter. So you, you, in order to counter that incredible fighter, you have to dictate the action. She did keep, like, giving her her back, though. That was really confusing. It kind of. I think that she felt confident in her ability to at least try and cage walk with her. But Carmouche had a death grip in that first round when she was uh, basically, it was just a, a great wrestler's grip that she was able to kind of maneuver Misha a little bit for. But here's what I really want to take away from this match that I feel that really needs to be talked about. Misha has this thing where the fans love her because when she was in the middle of that third round and not her best performance up until then, that audience started to come alive. And if you were there for the UFC fight with her and Rousey, that audience gets behind her and it, it's insane. Like they just feel that connected to her that I, I think it's kind of interesting to, to listen and, and hear that audience reaction. Because I know once they started getting to that point where she was about to choke her out, standing up, couldn't sit down. <laughs> yeah. She she does have a really good – she has very dramatic fights. Like she just has fights that have a lot of turns and twists, which you always love about a fighter. Um, it'll be interesting to see who she fights next. And, and I think Misha Tate's going to be one of those fighters that has bigger things in front of her, like some movie deals, some things like that coming. I mean possibly. I think she's in that kind of idea where she's going where – all of the momentum is she moved from Seattle to Vegas to concentrate more about it. And uh, here's a couple things. Uh, Misha Tate, she just released this right now uh, in the post presser. She said on slow start, I was just trying not to be a psycho in that fight and be a little more calculated. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. She's working on, she's working on things. Raph. She's trying not to be a psychopath. And it's hard you to argue with. Here's this factoid, which has less to do with uh, either of these two fights, but this is an interesting note. 
The gate was 1.65 million, the biggest Fox gate ever. Ooh, fuck. That doesn't it was a good night of fights. It really yeah. was. And that actually as we transition, love the fight from Tate and Carmouche. It's fun to have investment in the women's division finally. Like there are four fighters, five fighters I really cheer for and like. And it I was genuinely really excited to see Tate and Carmouche. It was just this is a fun fight. Yep. I'm excited to see how they do post Ronda Rousey just buzz sawing her way over people. It'll be great to see what, what other people can do. And it was a fun fight. Agree. But fight, uh, I mean, obviously, performance of the night. Obviously. Um, well, he did get one of them. What did he get? Fight of the night or performance uh, of the night? Cerrone got performance of the night. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure Verdum and Brown got fight of the night? No, Bazinski and Alves got fight of the night. Are you shitting me? Seriously? That was pretty good. That's fine. I hey, I agree. I thought it was a great fight. I just think that's I can't believe that the UFC. It's almost like they were trying to throw it off. Uh, Donald Cerrone wins with submission, but the jab is obviously what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> jab was so sweet. You go. You talk about the jab. I I'm going to talk about Donald Cerrone's confidence first. Okay. Like, did you see when they were talking about him in the prelims for seven minutes? They were genuinely just doing a let's talk about Donald Cerrone for seven minutes yes. bit. He loved it. He just loved every second of it. You can see it. You can see it when he talks about it. He has a new swag about him that he has, he has this second wind of his career is headed to a championship belt. And this was, I just bit my tongue. I'm so excited. It hurt, Ref. It hurt so bad. <laughs> Donald Cerrone is taking his game places that he looks like he is in a, and this is what I wrote down in my notes, an Anderson Silva-like streak. Big compliment. Sure. He's knocking people out. He's submitting them. He's taking them down. First of all, didn't he fight on like two cards ago? How many fights is he? I'm looking at his record right now. What did you think when you saw the jab and then you saw him rush to finish via submission over Edson Barbosa? What I first thought was it was a kick because I looked down for a second and I was like, oh, is that a kick? And I like, because it had the impact of what we've come to know as a Donald Cerrone kick. And I looked up and I was like, it's a fucking jab? Holy fuck. Yeah. Most people, normal people, I guess, a, a jab is, is leading. It's what you are trying to establish. His jab was so powerful, it knocked out Edson Barboza and not completely but enough to just render him paralyzed enough that uh, Cerrone had this ability to just go yeah let's finish this via submission why not yeah okay I'm looking at his fight card he fought obviously tonight April 19th he then fought January 25th of this year he fought November 16th prior and August 28th May before that so he's literally been fighting like every three months Ooh, yep. And we're talking about a very seriously, outside of a loss, um, he lost August 28th to Rafael Dos Anjos. As it happened. (laughs) You're welcome. But since then, has been on a tear. Do you feel like he's um, fastly, and I don't know how you can't at this point, approaching a 155 title shot? I hope so. 
I think he's so exciting. Uh, he's he's got to be in the conversation, if not right there. Like he's, you are right. He is in a great resurgence. I don't know that it's Anderson Silva like. I think that's a that's a weird era to to put upon it. But uh, I understand what you are complimenting him on. I understand that you were saying it is that impressive that we haven't seen something like that in a while. And I could probably go around there. Um, but it's it's devastating to see his timing. And you want to know the weirdest part about Donald Cerrone? Absolutely. So, you know how most people are meticulous about looking at tape? Yes, I am. Even with jokes, I'm, that's how I need to be. Donald Cerrone does not look at his opponent's tape. Fascinating. He basically Fuck. says... Are you serious? He'll show up. Yep, 100% cool. serious. He'll show up. He'll do his thing. And I think it's genius because you combine somebody with his talent and most people would say, yeah, I don't look at tape. They end up getting fucking blindsided. But I think it's a a perfect marriage of a great reaction and the strategy team of Greg Jackson. When you have that combination, yeah, if I was at his level with his reaction time, I'd probably hang back and go like, I don't need to see tape. Coach Greg's got that part. That is interesting. I love that. I kind of love that. Of course he doesn't. I mean, here's what I also will say about why people like him so much, myself included. He seems like the person fighting and reacting is the exact person he always is. He just seems very open mm-hmm. about his athleteness and uh, even his craziness. And <laughs> It just seems like that's, yeah. that's really him. I love that. I, mean, I saw a recent picture. He, like, brought horses to Jackson's <laughs> MMA and people were going out and petting the horses. It's like, of course... <laughs> Of course he did. <laughs> I do like the fact, though, that when they caught a shot of him in a Budweiser t-shirt, I looked at it and I said, he can wear that. I don't call bullshit on that. <laughs> That's probably his t-shirt. That's not a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. He just loves Budweiser. Yep. Brad Tavares loses via decision to cool name Yol Romero. Kev, have you ever just been beaten to the point where you're in the fight, but you weren't in the fight. You know I have. Yeah. That was about what happened to Tavares here. And Uh-oh. he's feisty, and he was really <clears throat> trying to put on a show as best he could, but it was just a power difference between these two. Stats-wise, you can see it. 63 to 35 total strikes, 31 to 21 significant, seven takedowns with over half the fight being given to Yol for control. And I, I hate to interrupt this, but uh, since we are live now, this nor- never happens where we uh-uh. can comment on things as they're happening. Dana, in the press conference, says he thought that Liz won rounds one and two over Misha and that Misha won the third. Ooh, so he's uh, calling BS on the decision. Or, at the very least, giving enough kind of credence to say... We should have that decision win. Yeah. Or fight again. I don't know that. I don't even need the the fight again. It's just. I don't either. It's it's strange. They're supposed to fight. Neither of them gets to fight Rousey next. I mean, what do you you know what I like? There's just I'm sure Misha will fight someone cool. I don't know if Liz Carmouche will. I hope they keep Liz Carmouche around. She's she's really. She's a good talent. I think that she's great for the women's division. Agreed. She's I think a ground the and pound fighter, is, though. Yeah, I think the natural question is, who does she fight next? Um, Tons of But I, I think it's a, a testament to like that 
10%. That is the, the top of the women's division. Yeah. So, loved the main card, by the way. I didn't love their forever introduction sequence. Did we have to follow the fighters for every step of the way out? Like <laughs> That just seemed to take forever. People were saying a lot more how-do-you-do's before they went and fought. Like Both Travis Brown and Verdum thanked 19 people on their way to the cage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. This is strange because I think it's a Fox note to try and build the narrative for these people and get them to know them and like them, which is why they only concentrate on four hours or, you know, four fights in a two hour time. Yeah. But it's very strange when you're like, oh, no, why is this so weird that Verdum didn't get talked to at the end of his fight? Did they run over? Oh, no. Why did we run to the desk for no reason to talk about their story for 18 minutes? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't let them thank 20 people so we can hear what Verdum has to say after the fight. How's that? Tell them to say their fucking yeses, let's do this, before they come out to the cage. Jesus. That's just yeah. not good spectator sport mentality. Like People do not tune in to the NFL introduction sequence or <laughs> the NBA introducing their players. Like, come on, just get to this shit. Um, that said, I have a question for you that I think is going to be pretty close to home. Rafael Dos Anjos, who we just talked about as having beat Donald Cerrone, loses to Khabib. Not going to lo- try and pronounce that last name. Do you think okay. Dos Anjos is out of the UFC? No. You think he'll be no. fine? Okay. Card. I'm putting you on alert with your Raphael club. I, whatever. The name is, is above your petty whatever you're trying here. Dose evil. Thiago Alves wins via decision over Thek Badzinski. Very proud of Alves here. It was, a man, a great, great fight to see uh, Alves come back in. He was aggressive. He was pushing this action. And I think think one of the people in his corner just told him after one of his rounds best round of your life can you imagine being told that no that'd be awesome don't sound so somber i'm saying if somebody (laughs) if somebody was like hey best joke of your life i'd be like oh thank you i just can't imagine it being so i thought it was impressive so i could see why he got uh, a bonus this evening, so good news to him, and, and it's good to see him back. I mean, he didn't finish his opponent, but it was a very competitive uh, aspect from the fact that he pushed the action, made it look crazy, the opponent didn't go down, and Bazinski, you know, to his credit, stuck it around, took some really tough shots, and obviously they liked it enough to reward it. Big time fight of the night winner. That's awesome for them. To win it on the undercard, that's uh, that's that's grit. Raph, I love these fights. Yeah, I mean, it was a good night, and I'll put this one out here as well. Uh, Dana White, they think Brown has a broken rib. He definitely has a broken hand. (laughs) He got the shit kicked out of him. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, God. Donald Cerrone. This is great, and we'll, we'll probably close on this, but Donald Cerrone's reaction... Uh, I'll try and read it in his voice, but I don't really have it right now. It's it's yeah, more of a... getting there. I don't know what was going on, but the two golden words came to me. F it. 
Oh, I hope someone puts that on a t-shirt. I'm purchasing it. I want to put my name on the beginners list. Let me put it to you this way. I don't like people with cowboy hats, but (laughs) the exception is definitely Donald Cerrone. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Hey, great. Our compliments. UFC on Fox 11. Great night to watch heavyweights while I'm flipping back and forth to NBA coverage. And dare I say, Raph, I've got the best Twitter NBA MMA coverage out there. Probably the most active. Up there. Are you still there? Are you not even going to help me out? I'm not acknowledging you. (laughs) I figured that was the case. I was like, I'm going quiet. I'm going to U157 you, which... For those complimenting my references earlier, we'll probably want to check and destroy that one. Are you ready to close out this beautiful cast where we had on the wonderful <clears throat> James Coe? Yeah, and I'll say this. It was a shame to watch this fight and uh, not see James at the end of it on Fox 11. I I always agree, and I didn't even have his coverage out here, but I still agree no. with you. It's a little Sucks sad, but him. you know what? Happy... He'll be doing big things over at the NFL Network, and I think he he provided a fun contrast to whatever it was you were doing. Oh, he's amazing. He's my dream. <laughs> he's the best. Dream. He's going to be so weird. I hope he didn't listen to any of that. Don't worry. <laughs> I feel confident he did not. That's going to do it for us here at Verbal Taps coverage of the fights, which means it's time to shout some people out, Raph. Rafa Sparza. I don't know what accent that is. You want to either? You want to start off this shout out party? Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's go with Greg King from Grappler's Planet. Thanks. Holy shit! Both of us, big thanks. Yeah, buddy, spent a lot of time over there at Grappler's Planet, checking out the fights, loving them. Thank you. And uh, he was really holding down the front. I think he was probably. And and his team at Grappler's Planet, of course. But I think he was definitely earning whatever paycheck he is getting. And if he's not getting a paycheck, pay him twice Someone that amount. Should. Yes. <laughs> Triple it. Um, Fuck it. Yeah. He's he's just really cool and a great support. And glad to hear that they're fans of us, which is always nice. We are equally fans of them. There's so much respect going around. <laughs> On both parts, so uh, it is likewise on on that way. I'll say this well. Big props over to our friend John Evans from BJJBreakdown.com. John is the best to watch any jiu-jitsu anything with. I'm sure he is. Shut up. Stop shitting on his parade. Why are you mad now? I'm jealous. I'm not mad. Let's be clear about my emotional progression. Are you mad because he's so... Great at jiu-jitsu? Whatever you're going to say, the answer is yes. Okay. Uh, no, here's the best part about John, too. John is – I feel like sometimes he is the Michigan J frog in my life where I'll be doing jokes <laughs> and I'll be, like, tweeting and I'm telling him, I'm like, oh, you do analysis. I do jokes. Totally understand. And then he'll say something. On like the chat or something as the events going on, and I'm like, "Fuck you, John! You can't have analysis and be funnier than me. That's just not fair." I agree. That's why I hate him. I know. <sighs> but should. you know what? 
he's that's what makes him one of the best people to watch it with. And so. if you'd like to hate him, go to bjjbreakdown.com or subscribe to their YouTube channel. You can just hate him with me if you enjoy <laughs> his bountiful content. Stop being mean to him. Okay. He's done nothing but like you, Kevin. It's fine. That's part of his game. <laughs> uh, I also want to send a big shout out to Valley Martial Arts Center. D- mm- ah! <laughs> That's great. Good job. That was uh, Valley Martial Arts Center. I'll say this. They went to go compete at a tournament at Force Balance this weekend out here in Los Angeles. They did awesomely. Uh, so specific shout outs to the following people. John Budd, who is our owner and basically led the charge and was like, hey, there's a competition going on. I'm going to compete. I think other people should do. Let's do hey, it. Bud. That's awesome. So that was really cool of him to lead that charge uh, to Kyle Aho, who has one of the best guards in the game, taking home third, just knocking it down. Not surprising me in the blue bell category, but also in the blue bell category, taking home first, our new pal, Joe Thomas, who's new to our play. I haven't rolled with him yet. We've been at the same place, but we haven't uh, rolled particularly yet. But he's such a great force. Every time I see him roll, I, I think he's like super technical, has some really cool things with his game. So I can't wait to roll with him. And this is the newest guy. He went out here. This is his first tournament that he's done. And this guy, his name is Brian Singer. I've mentioned him maybe once on the podcast before. But Brian, he's like this dude who came and is training with us. He's got, I think, his uh, kids in, like, the kids' karate classes and whatnot. And just, I think, as a, a good sense of faith is uh, being the dad who's showing up and rolling with us and has such great determination, has made such great strides in such a short time on all of his game that uh, I want to give him the biggest compliment of all for making it out to the tournament. Dude's going to be a killer in no time, but for right now, dude, congratulations. Really happy for you. No bigger compliment than a verbal tap shout out. It's true. And I think that does it for me. And if it doesn't, then I'll just interject at some point randomly in yours. Speaking of that, hey, I was thinking today as I was grabbing, like, I had to pack equipment to go train. Like, ugh. You know, I really wish I had a bag that I could also carry my laptop and enough camping gear in case I get dislocated for 24 hours. Do you mm-hmm. know of any bags? that might be of good use for that? I mean, I guess you could use Datsusara gear if you wanted to have the best bag around. That sounds, that sounds a guess. lot like what I was talking about. I'll look at that. Well. You said, how do I... It's just Datsusara? I just Google Datsusara. Yeah, you just... You know, we can put it on the link uh, on our page if you oh. guys want to have a really cool bag. I'm Maybe I'll take it with me when I'm in Vegas this weekend. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you will do that. That's perfect. Hey, big shout-outs to BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly, VA. It's been a great week of some serious rolling. You can always tell when, like, the mats are extra bad. It's like, uh, (laughs) just sweaty mats, as I call them. Um, Not as I call them as everyone. I mean, that's pretty much the exact literal description of, of what happens. Big training going on out there. I'm sure as well. No concept Jiu Jitsu out in Maryland. Hey, guys, if you're traveling around and you're like, ah, I need to find a jiu-jitsu school and I need to see if it's reviewed, head on over to bjjfinder.com. Download the app. That way you can find the schools near you. That is going to do it for me this week, Rafa Sparza. Rafa Sparza, you go. 
That's not what it is. That's exactly what it is. I'm basically no, people were probably like, "Why is Greg Jackson on the podcast? Why is he screaming?" Go rap? get some Donald Cerrone. <laughs> that's that's the thing. That's gonna do it for us here tonight at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night, and I'm heading to Vegas. Peace. Woo! Ref, wait, you're not getting married there, are you? No. I just thought that was your thing now. So I just assumed. Oh, that I'm just, yeah. Once you get engaged, you just leave the Vegas every married. week. <laughs> just can't stop getting married. I thought oh, it was actually going to be the opposite. I thought you were going to be like, are you getting engaged again? You're at the coffee shop in the morning. It's like, hi, can I get marriage? <laughs> <laughs>